At the Life Action Camp, we understand the struggle of connecting as a family. With cell phones, busy schedules, and constant media and entertainment, it can seem impossible to connect with your kids. We've been there and we found that creating a space for our families to meet with God changes everything. Come to Life Action Family Camp for a week to experience life-changing truth, a beautiful beachfront, and loads of fun activities. Visit lifeactioncamp.com to learn more. a story to tell you. It's a story of a city. I don't know if you've heard about this city, but it may sound a lot like yours. It's a town where there's terrible racial division. Riots have, have rocked the region. Hatred, confusion, religious apathy and division, and very little gospel penetration at all. But something has changed, drastically changed, and I want to tell you about it. An evangelist came to this town and began to teach a message that the people there had never heard before. They'd heard plenty about religion, but they'd never heard about a personal faith that could literally transform their lives, that could bring justice and, and peace and hope and love into the midst of the very real parts of their day and their families. A small group of them chose to receive that message, and they were of different races, races that had been at great conflict with each other for a long, long time. And as they received that message, they began to change, and then their city began to change. And people began to hear about it all throughout Greece. Maybe you've heard about this incredible movement of God because in about six months' time, it changed not just a city, but a whole nation. If you haven't heard about it, it may be because you would have to have been reading the news 2,000 years ago. There are many stories like this happening right now, but this story happened in a Greek city called Thessalonica in the very early days of the church of Jesus Christ. And if it could happen then, it could happen again. So the title of this first session in our journey through 1 Thessalonians is How to Change Your Life and Even Your Country in six months' time. Well, that's a bold promise as a teacher uh, that your life and maybe even your nation could change in six months. It may seem like an impossible promise to keep, but I hope by the end of this, this first session, you'll have that hope in your heart that your life and even your nation can truly be changed and maybe changed quickly. Now, we know only God can show us how to do that and prepare us for that and equip us and empower us to do it. So we're going to find out how by walking verse by verse through his word, specifically the letter to that church in Thessalonica that we call 1 Thessalonians. Now, in this first session, I want to accomplish two things. First of all, I want to introduce you to the letter of 1 Thessalonians so you understand why this letter is so important um, to the accomplishment of our, of, our, of our task to restart and revive our lives and our churches in this day. And then secondly, we've got to define what kind of life change we're talking about. What do we really need? What does our, our country need? So let's get started. Let me introduce you 
to these people called the Thessalonians. 2,000 years ago, Thessalonica was the capital of the Roman province of Macedonia. Think northern Greece. It was a very important port city then and now. At that time, uh, over 200,000 residents, which made it a mega city in its day. The whole world eventually flowed through the ports and the streets of Thessalonica. And with it came every kind of religious ideas. Uh, Judaism was one of those ideas. And, and so many Jews had, had relocated to Thessalonica. Uh, there was bitter hatred between Jews and the pagan Gentiles. A racial hatred, really, that created stark divisions, even as we see in our, in our own time. So Paul and Silas had just gotten out of jail in Philippi, if you remember that story from the book of Acts. And they arrived in Thessalonica. You can read about it in Acts 17. And, uh, and Paul began to preach in the synagogue. And Jews began to be saved. And then Gentile seekers began to come to Christ. So now you have these, these racial groups who hated each other, and they're, they're all finding the Savior together. And this was not acceptable either by Jews or by Gentiles. And so in Acts chapter 17, verse 6, Paul, Silas, his friends, they're called the ones who turned the world upside down. And a mob rioted and threatened to destroy the city. My prayer is that we might become the ones that turn the world right side up. Well, so Paul and Silas had to leave. They had to get out of there. The riots drove them out. They went on to the city of Berea, and there people began to come to Christ in such numbers that the mob in Thessalonica heard about it. Gossip reached back to them, and they came to Berea to start riots there. They were traveling bands starting these riots, and everywhere Paul went, this seemed to happen. Um, someone once said everywhere Paul went, there was either a revival or a riot. Today, I think everywhere Christians go, we either have church riots or potluck suppers, um, but God's ready to change that and bring our faith alive in a bold new way. Now, all this happened in Thessalonica in the, the winter of 49 AD, so not long, um, not very many years after Jesus lived. In fact, uh, the best we know, 1 Thessalonians is the very first book written in the New Testament. Well, the spring, maybe the summer of 50 A.D., about six months later, Paul had sent Timothy back to check on the Thessalonians while he stayed alone in Corinth. And he had heard Timothy's report from an earlier visit and heard about the revival that was happening in Thessalonica, how the word was spreading across Greece in six months' time. And so Paul writes to them and sends Timothy back. And, and says, I, I've got to send this letter to the Thessalonians to commend them and to help them as they continue to grow. So let's get started and, and let's read the first verse and just introduce this incredible letter of revival um, to us today. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. So Paul commonly lists others with him when he writes. So he's Silvanus or Silas and Timothy, but he's the one writing. And he, he writes it to the church of the Thessalonians. The word church is ekklesia. In the Greek, it comes from two words, um, called and out. So the word means called out. 
Originally, it, it wasn't a Christian word. It wasn't even a religious word. It was a political word that meant assembly. Um, when our Congress meets, it would have been viewed as the same thing. But in the pre-COVID church in America, uh, something, something really dangerous um, has been happening for many years. The church has become a group of people who believe they are called in. They're called inward to themselves. Um, they're called into buildings. But the word church means we are called out of the world and out of our buildings and on mission with Jesus. A mission of the great commandment to love others like ourselves and a mission of the great commission to share the gospel of Jesus. That's the purpose of the church. So every Bible study that is actually for a church must have an outward focus. There's no such thing as a church Bible study that's only to help those within the church. Many churches in our country before COVID, I'm afraid, became not much more than Bible study clubs that just met to learn more of the Bible for themselves. But if there's no power and there's no proclamation, it's not for the church. Now, I don't want you to be surprised if the numbers in your church um, in these months and years after COVID never recover or recover very, very slowly. That may not be all bad because you may actually see the real church developing, those that truly are followers of Jesus, not cultural Christians. In this first verse, we're told that the church itself, the real church, is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That means we are immersed in Him. That means that church must be our life. It's not, it's not on every other Sunday religious attendance or, or, a, or a spiritual experience for ourselves. It is the immersion of, of ourself into the gospel together. That's the church. And that leads us to our, our second goal for today. To ask the question, well, what is the life change that we need, our lives, our church, and the national change we are after? What is it that we really need? Paul doesn't go past one verse without telling us. He says, grace and peace to you. Now, that's a greeting in the Bible. It's a common greeting. But the reason it's a common greeting is because it sums up everything God wants us to have. It's actually everything we need for an amazing life and an amazing church and even an amazing country. What does it mean to have grace? Grace is the supernatural, freely given salvation, power, and kindness of God. That's grace. I want you to think about grace for a moment and what the Bible says about it. First of all, Jesus is full of grace. John chapter 1. Verse 14, look it up for yourself. Jesus is full of grace. It pours out of him. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, the throne of God is made of grace. The very in ingredients, the material making the throne of God is grace. 1 Corinthians 15, 10, we're defined by grace. Grace is who we are. It defines the very heart of a man or a woman, a follower of Jesus. We can overcome anything because of grace. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, His grace is enough for us. His grace is sufficient. And then finally, we can grow in grace. It's not static. 
2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says we have the privilege of growing in grace. And we can do that together. That's the change we need. That's the church we need. That's the lives we need. We need grace to just cover us up. And then we need peace. The New Testament word for peace corresponds to the Old Testament word shalom, a word still used by Jewish people today. It, it means soul wellness, no matter what the circumstances. Wow, is there anything we need more than that? In these days of division in our nation, in these days of pandemic in our world, fear and uncertainty, is there anything we need more than grace and peace? This free gift of God that, that just summarizes who He is and what He does, and then this incredible gift of peace, of shalom, this soul wholeness that brings us into the, the life of boldness, that we can live only in the peace that comes from Jesus. That's what we need. That's all we need. And that's what we're going to go after in this study in these weeks together. Years ago, I was, um, I was visiting in the persecuted church where I, I try at least once a year to go so I can really see the church, really see the church as, it, as it's reflected in the New Testament, full of power and proclamation, grace and peace. I was talking to a pastor who had become a dear friend. I've been to this place several times, and he was in prison for the gospel for seven years. They, uh, they told him his wife had divorced him and forsaken the faith, lied to him, kept him isolated. Seven years, he was finally released, and the prison where he was was freezing cold, and his hands gnarled up like this because of, of the cold and arthritis. It was terrible. And I asked him one day, I said, brother, I have a question for you. I, I get to speak to a lot of people in America, and I, I want to help them understand how you went through that. How did you face it? He looked at me surprised, and he said, you're a pastor. You, you know the answer to that. I said, I, I don't think I do. I want to, but I don't think I know. He put his hand on my shoulder, and he simply said this, Pastor, Jesus is enough. And he was quiet just like that. And he turned around and he walked away and left me to think. And I'm still thinking. Jesus is enough, but is he really? Is he enough for me? Is his grace and peace enough for me? Do I believe that? Sometimes I do and sometimes not so much. I'm still thinking about those words. Jesus is enough. Maybe you want to think about them a while today because if we believe them and if we grow in that belief and all the implications of the sufficiency of Jesus in this day of his grace and peace for all we need then by the power of his word and the power of his spirit he can change us he can change even our nation and he can do it quickly and in the next session we're going to see how a movement like that, a movement of God, happens in your life, your family, your church, and maybe even in this country called the United States of America.
you connect with God. Discovering this can breathe fresh life into your relationship with Him. Visit lifeaction.org forward slash quiz and take the five-minute test to determine your spiritual personality. On completion, you'll receive some helpful tips, practical ways to deepen your faith, and a free growth plan. Just go to lifeaction.org forward slash quiz to take the assessment today.